This podcast contains graphic information regarding true crime and may not be appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Forensic Miles. You've seen the show, you know the crime, but is there more to the story? My name is Miles, and my co-host here, his name is Sean. Introduce yourself. Hey, guys. Today, we are filming... Nope. We're recording our first ever episode. I'm so excited that you guys are here to listen. We're going to be covering the disappearance of Hella Crafts, otherwise known as the wood chipper murder. Something pretty interesting about this story is that it's actually the pilot episode of Forensic Files. So I thought it would be the perfect place to start. Let's get into it. Wood chipper murder. Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, let's get into the story. Um, Hella was born on July 4th, 1947 in Copenhagen, Denmark. She was an absolutely beautiful woman. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of her. Wait, have you seen the show, Forensic Files, this one? Have you seen this episode? I don't think I've seen this one. Are you sure? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, I'll show you a picture. But this woman was absolutely beautiful. She was known as a kind warm and loyal person who made friends easily and everyone loved her. Like there were only good things that people said about her. She had a knack for languages. She knew like tons of languages. She spoke French. She spoke English. I'm pretty sure she even spoke Italian um, and loved to travel, which made her job as a flight attendant, like the best job she could ever have. She worked as a flight attendant in France and soon heard of an opportunity to become a Pan Am flight attendant. At the time, like Pan Am was huge. It was the biggest, you know, airline. So this was um, a really great opportunity for her. And also the training was in Miami, Florida. So she would come to the United States, which I don't think she had done at the time. So she was really excited. Um, she ended up getting the job and moved to Miami and lived in a motel near the airport. And I kind of picture this as being like a dorm room because a lot of the people that worked at the airlines lived in this motel, um, which actually kind of sounds pretty fun. Um, while waiting for a flight one day in the common area of the motel, Hella met a man. And this man happens to be Richard Crafts. Richard wasn't the best looking guy. I'll have to show you a picture of him too. He's kind of odd looking, but he always seemed to have a woman on his arm. It was clear that he had a certain type of woman too, and it was flight attendants. So it was obvious that he would be interested in helicrafts, a beautiful, kind flight attendant. Um, but Richard grew up in a really strict family. His father had really high standards for his son, and Richard never seemed to really meet those standards. He went to private school, but did average. You know, he, d he wasn't really a great student or anything. He tried college for a while, but ultimately he dropped out and joined the military. And the military is kind of where he thrived. He flew helicopters and fixed-wing aircrafts and soon became a licensed pilot. Richard was known to tell stories, though, and exaggerate, so it's kind of hard really to know what his story was. But they say that he was employed by Air America, which is a partner of the CIA, and that he participated in missions in Asia, which, you know, kind of sounds kind of cool. Not that Richard was cool, but 
working for the CIA and, you know, being a secret agent and all that stuff. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I could do it, but it sounds some, kind of interesting. Some Bond. Yeah. Yeah. Some James, James Bond. Bond. <laughs> um, anyway, Hella and Richard soon got married and purchased a ranch style home in an elite area in Newtown, Connecticut. And something kind of interesting is that, you know, they were making really good money. And, well, I'm not, I'm not sure if Hella was making really good money, but. Richard sure was working. He was working for Eastern airlines as a pilot. Um, and they were considered, um, the top 5% of wage earners at the time, you know, in the U S and that's crazy. They soon had three children, Andrew, Thomas, and Christina. Hella was known as a wonderful mother and completely dedicated her to her children from the outside. This sounds amazing. They're living the American dream, a beautiful house, great income, three children, but everything wasn't exactly as it looked. Richard was making the majority of the income with his pilot salary working for Eastern Airways, but his money never went to household expenses. Hella was responsible for this completely on her own with her stewardess salary, which I have to believe was much less than the pilot salary. So you might be asking, where did all of his money go? And the truth is, is that he put it into his hobbies, which is great. We should all have hobbies, but he was putting all of his money into things like guns. He had this huge gun arsenal and large machinery that he never used. Richard kind of did whatever he wanted and didn't really care what Hella thought or said. And one of the things that he did was he applied to become a volunteer police officer with the Newtown Police Department. Now, later, the police officers would say that they thought this was a little bit strange because they didn't understand why he would want to spend so much time at another job that he wasn't getting paid with when he was getting so much paid, you know, he was making so much money being a pilot. Um, And they thought it was just a little bit odd and sort of unnecessary. But Richard was completely obsessed. He purchased a car that was the same make and model as the Newport Police Department cars and decked it out in expensive bells and whistles. It was kind of like he was an obsessed kid, you know? And um, later he was hired as an official police officer, but was soon suspended from duty after he let his children drive in the police car with him. And I also read in a couple places that he was making calls to people when he wasn't really supposed to or having conversations with witnesses when it wasn't really appropriate for him to be doing it. Um, In 1986, Hella discovered that Crafts was cheating on her. In fact, she found out that he had multiple, multiple affairs with multiple women throughout the entire span of their relationship. And she decided she had had enough. She hired a divorce attorney and spoke to her friends about how she wanted a divorce. However, she was worried about the reaction that Richard would have and told a close group of friends, if something happens to me, don't think it was an accident. Do something about it, which is absolutely horrifying. And the fact that she was scared of the man that she lived with is horrible. After hiring the divorce attorney, Hella decided to hire a private investigator named Keith Mayo. And this guy is absolutely amazing. He's going to come back multiple times in the story. And he was such a rock star and and really one who wanted to solve this case of Hella and figure out what really happened to her. Um, With proof of the affair, you know, I think 
I think that Keith had gotten pictures of Richard. Um, Hella confronted Richard and demanded a divorce. By all accounts, their conversation went well, and they had discussed possible arrangements for the kids and the house. Um, But things weren't as great as Hella had thought they were. On the evening of November 19, 1986, Hella was dropped off at her home after working a flight from Frankfurt, Germany. She was dropped off by some of her friends that were actually also her coworkers, and this was the last time anybody saw her alive. On that night of November 19th, there had been a big storm, so roads were really difficult to drive on and phone connection was iffy, so her friends didn't really expect to hear from her, but after a couple of days of not hearing from her, her friends really started to worry, and they began calling the house, and the only person that would pick up was Richard. They would ask where Hella was, and he would give them an array of bullshit answers. He told some of them that Hella had left him and run away with the man, which sounds not like Hella at all. By all accounts, she was dedicated to her children and would never leave them alone with, with anybody. She would never leave them. He told some of her friends that she had gone to the Canary Islands, and he even told one of her friends that she had traveled back to Denmark to take care of her ailing mother. But Hella's friends weren't dumb. Her friends were actually amazing, and anybody would be so happy to have friends like these. And with Hella's words of warning in the back of their head, remember she had told them if anything happens to her, don't think it was an accident and do something about it. Um, they started to do a little bit of research and became really suspicious. One of her friends named Lena Johnson was really, really worried and felt that something was wrong. So she did some digging and uncovered the phone number of Hella's mother, Elizabeth Nielsen. And she called her and, and asked, is Hella there? And Hella's mother was completely confused and told Lena that she had hadn't expected to see Hella until April of the following year. And Lena immediately knew that something was wrong. Hella's friends um, began to call the police department and share their concerns with them, but the police wouldn't hear it. He, Richard was friends with them. He had worked at the police department. They knew him and they didn't think anything of it. And they literally told her friends, don't worry about it. She'll show up eventually. I'm sure she just ran off. Her friends weren't the only one that were worried, though. Keith Mayo, remember I told you he was awesome and he'd be coming back? Well, he's back now. He began to get concerned as well. The minute he heard Hella was missing, he knew that Richard had something to do with it. It was around this time, this is a couple days after Hella was last seen, that the the airport actually found Hella's car in the Pan Am employee parking lot, which is weird because if she had run off, she would probably have needed her car. Um, so the police department gave Keith the same response as they had given Hella's friends, but Keith was also not going to put up with it and knew that he had to do something more to try and find out where Hella was. He had been working for her. He had, he knew information about her and he knew that things between her and Richard were probably not great because she had confronted him with the photographs. Um, So he decided to reach out to the prosecutor and gain attention for this case and basically told the prosecutor that the police department weren't doing everything that they should be doing to help find Hella. And so finally, the police department started to investigate and they started to ask Hella's friends 
why they thought that there was something iffy or suspicious going on. And when they heard that Crafts had told her or told them all of these different stories, they started to kind of see that maybe everything wasn't exactly right or how they thought it was. So they decided to interview the Crafts' au pair. Do you know what an au pair is? Um, yeah, she takes care of, helps the children. Yeah, she's like a live-in nanny, and her name was Dawn Marie Thomas. She told the police that the morning of November 20th was a bit odd, and Richard had, like, come into her room and woken her up extremely early in the morning, which was not something that would have happened, usually, and he told her that they were going to be driving to his sister's house, and Hella would meet them there. He woke up the children, rushed them to the car, dropped them off, and didn't return to his sister's house until really, really late that evening. And, you know, everything was really weird, and Dom was kind of put off about it. But one of the things that was the strangest to her was the fact that there was that storm, and the roads were really dangerous. And she didn't understand why he would risk driving his children kind of far on these dangerous, treacherous roads. It just it didn't make much sense to her. But she said something else. She said that that morning they had been, I guess, in Richard and and Richard and Hella's room, and she had seen a large dark stain on on the carpet. When she asked Richard about the stain, he said that he had spilled kerosene, which seems really odd. Like, why would you have kerosene in your bedroom? That's like oil, right, or gas? Yeah, that's a, that's a big red flag there. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Um, but another strange thing is that Helen never arrived at his sister's house. Um, and like I said before, he didn't arrive until super late that evening. So, After- were, so were, were they the kids and the au pair wondering where she was at that point? I think... I'm not sure that the kids would have picked up on anything, but I think that Dawn was curious. I think she was asking where Hella was and the only response that she would get from Richard was that he was she was going to be there later that evening. Um but after hearing Don's story, the police began to get much more suspicious and felt that something was off and asked Richard to come in to take a lie detector test. Now, what do we have to say about lie detector tests? Mm-hmm. Don't no do them. Mm-mm. There's not necessary. They're not admissible in court and crime junkie always says do not take a lie detector test and just to prove this even more Richard passes the test see what I mean it's absolutely meaningless um and there was no evidence that Richard had done anything wrong so the police were kind of stuck and they had to let him go Hella's friends wouldn't stop though they wanted answers so the police brought Richard back in and they asked him specifically about what happened to the carpet Richard told them that he had spilled something and disposed of the parts at the dump and was getting all the carpets in the house replaced, which seems sort of weird. Even if I had spilled something on the carpet while my wife was missing, I would be freaking out. That would not be one of my priorities. I would just deal with that later, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, that was weird, but it was still not enough to, you know, put him in jail or get a search warrant or anything. Okay, and this is where Keith jumps into action. The minute he heard that there is some evidence at the dump from the Krauss' house, he is determined to find it. So he goes to the dump and begins searching for the missing pieces of carpet. And incredibly, he finds it. 
Unfortunately, after some testing, they find out that the stains were not human blood as they suspected. Um, but Keith's efforts were not in vain. With the, the discovery of the carpet, media latched onto the case and everybody was demanding answers from the police. Where in the world was Hella Crafts? They all wanted to know. Another thing about the dump, which I personally find really interesting, it's just a little nugget of information, is that one of the bulldozer drivers found a bloody bra and disposed of it. He actually burned it. And I find that a little interesting. I don't know. I don't work at a dump. I'm sure you find all sorts of strange things all the time. But with a woman missing and, you know, this being in the media, if you find a bloody bra, I would have thought that maybe a call to the police department, I don't know, or at least don't burn it. I'm not sure. I don't know what was going through his head. <laughs> um, Anyway, but Keith was dedicated to solving this crime. And even though this piece of evidence didn't work out, he went and he contacted the prosecutor again and said, you know, we really, really need to solve this case. We need to find out where she was. I feel like Richard has done something. With all this new pressure, the police department began digging more into Richard's movements in the months and weeks before Hella disappeared. And they found something really interesting on his credit receipts. Credit receipts? Statements. Credit card statements, yes. They found two really large purchases. One of them was a Westinghouse freezer, which I believe is one of those long freezers that opens horizontally, you know, like the freezer that you think is in the basement of every serial killer. Um, that honestly, when I see them, I find them really creepy. Actually, thinking about it, I think my mom might have one in the basement. <laughs> Anyway, and then the other purchase was a $900 charge for a machinery rental, um, which is really weird. Like, what costs $900 to rent, and why would he be renting it? You know? Mm. I don't Seems know. Seems like two odd things to have together. For sure. Not too long after they have this information, the police department is able to secure a search warrant for the Crafts' property, and what they find was an absolute mess. Richard and the children were in Florida at the time, so that made it a perfect time for them to go in and search the house. The house... So they're on vacation in Florida? And yes. And still missing? Yes. They're on vacation in Florida, and their wife is... And his wife is still missing. Hmm. I know. Anyway. So the house is an absolute disaster. Furniture, dishes, and toys were stacked high. All the carpet throughout the entire house was, was either completely removed or in the process of being torn up. Like, that's weird. He's saying that he's fixing the carpets, but he just basically left it there, a complete mess, and then went to Florida. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um... They found Richard's arsenal of guns, which kind of surprised the police department. They didn't realize that he had had all of those. So they're starting to kind of get this new picture of Richard. They had known him from work, but now going through his house, they're starting to realize that, you know, things might not be adding up in the exact way that Richard had had told them it was. Um, and they actually found a couple spots of blood, and they were able to test it with the forensic favorite... Forensic file favorite. What is it? The mass spectrometer. No, it's luminol. Everybody knows that. And the traces of blood later did come back matching Hella. 
One of the most interesting things about their search, though, was something that they didn't find. And it was the freezer that Richard had just purchased the month before. The freezer was nowhere to be found in that house, but they did still have the original freezer that was part of the house, um, which is kind of odd. Like, this is a big freezer. Where would it be? Now, this is really horrible, and it gives me, like, a really sick feeling in my stomach. But a few days after the search, Keith came forward with some more information. He provided the police with a receipt that Hella had given him. It was for a chainsaw. So I guess Hella had found this receipt in the house and then given it to Keith as something weird that she had noticed, which is horrible because she must have felt that there was something off about this purchase, too. I don't know. It gives me a heebie-jeebies. Another piece of information that they found out was what that $900 charge was for. And it ended up being a charge for the rental of a large wood chipper. And the police department really had a horrible feeling about what was to come next and what they were going to find. With all the news channels latching onto this case, new information was coming forward. And on December 30th, a man said that he had seen a truck pulling a wood chipper and a U-Haul on the banks of the Hosatonic River. And Crafts owned that exact model of truck. The police began to search the area, and it only took a couple minutes for the investigators to find evidence. They found shredded pieces of mail. One of them had an address on it, and it was addressed to Hella Crafts. Within an hour, many more pieces of mail were found, but that wasn't all. They found blonde hairs, bone fragments, fabric matching Hella's favorite nightshirt, cloth, plastic items, wood chips, and some unidentified material. So they're starting to get a picture of what happened, and it's a really, really horrible picture. And they're kind of, I think, starting to realize that they might not find all of Hella, and these little pieces might be all that's left. Through the freezing cold temperatures, the icy water, and the winter winds, investigators searched the area. Over the span of two weeks, they found what was left of Hella Crafts. Now I'm going to read off a quote, and I'll have all of this information about my resources on my blog, which you can check out. It's linked below. 2,666 strands of blonde hair, 69 slivers of human bone, five drops of human blood, two teeth, a truncated piece of human skull, three ounces of human tissue, a portion of a human finger, one fingernail, and one portion of a toe. That's all that they found left of helicrafts. A chainsaw matching the receipt was also discovered at the bottom of the river with its serial number scratched off. On January 11th, an arrest warrant was issued for Richard Crass, and police quickly surrounded his house and called him on the phone, demanding him to come outside. Guess what Richard said? Told him to go home. <laughs> he said, I'm tired. I'll take care of it in the morning. Who says something like that? I mean, who does he think he is? I don't know. Thinks he's above the law. I honestly. Worked, I guess since he worked there. Maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe he thought that they were friends and that they'd give him some slack. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, after a lengthy back and forth, Richard finally surrendered and was brought to jail. In May 1988, the trial began. However, the jury became deadlocked on July 15, 1988. 
The second trial began November 21st, 1989, exactly three years since Hella was last seen, which I think is a very interesting little serendipitous moment there. The forensic evidence, especially the forensic odontology, were some of the most damaging evidence during the trial. Hella had been identified by her teeth. I think actually it was a like a cap that had been specially made for her tooth, um, and that's how they were able to identify her, matching that with her dental records. Um, and they were also able to find wood chips on the you know, on the lake that matched wood chips that were in the back of Richard's truck. Richard's sister and brother-in-law both testified at the trial, and they shared some absolutely horrific and heartbreaking stories. Karen Karen Roberts, Richard's sister, said that she had been good friends with Hella and that they had made vacation plans together later that year. And this, I think, really proved that Hella hadn't just run off or committed suicide. She had made plans for that year. She had no intention of really leaving, maybe, you know, leaving Richard, but not leaving her friends and family behind. Um, She had also said that Richard showed absolutely no emotion about Hella's disappearance at all. Karen said that Richard told her that he was tired of Hella's friends asking where she was. And he said, get like, this is awful. He said, they're acting like I've cut her head off. Who says that? Like when your wife is missing, who says that? Um, And, you know, Karen said that this was super unsettling to hear and really made her uncomfortable. Um, When Richard's brother-in-law reached out to tell him that the police were searching the river for Hella, he said that Richard told him, let them dive. There's no body. It's gone. I mean, I sort of wish that they would have come forward a little bit earlier so it hadn't taken them so long or that the police would have realized that there was something bigger at play and that Hella hadn't just run away. But, you know, it's good that they came forward and said that in the end. At the end of the trial, the jury, which consisted of 11 men and one woman, convicted Richard of murder, and he was sentenced to 50 years in prison, which personally I don't think is long enough. 50 years. Seems like a light sentence. Yeah, it does seem like a light sentence. Um, But something interesting was that there was a whole debate on whether or not Richard should be convicted of murder or manslaughter. Um, And I don't know if it was Richard's lawyers or the, um, the judge, but they had, you know, tried to like weigh them into convicting him of manslaughter. But because of all this, you know, renting the the wood chipper and all of these what is the word he had planned it ahead of time uh premeditation premeditation duh um they ended up sentencing him um of murder when he was convicted and when the conviction was read he had absolutely no emotion All in all, there were 14 forensic scientists that worked on the case, and at the time, that was the most in U.S. history, which is awesome. And all the forensic scientists had said that it was such a great collaboration of of people and that they were really proud of the fact that they were able to solve this, even though the, the pieces and what was left of Hello were so small. This was also the first conviction without a body in Connecticut history. So that really goes to show how well these forensic scientists were able to share the information with the jury and really get the conviction that they needed. 
Although we'll never really know what happened that fateful night, police and prosecutors have a theory. Prosecutors suggest that Richard was weary of his affairs and was not looking forward to going through a divorce, so he came up with a plan. They believe that Hella had been attacked in the couple's bedroom, bludgeoned at the foot of the bed on the morning of November 20th. Richard then brought the body down to where his newly purchased freezer was plugged in and placed her body in it. He then woke up Dawn and the children, drove them to Westport to his sister's house, and quickly returned to the house to dispose of the body. At this point, the body was likely frozen solid, or uh, that's what I read, um, but Honestly, I'm not sure that the body, I, I'm almost 100% sure that the body wouldn't have been completely frozen solid by that point. That only seems like a couple of hours, really. Um, but he placed a freezer with her body in it in the U-Haul and drove it to one of his properties where he dismembered the body with a chainsaw before placing it, placing the pieces in plastic bags and then putting it in the freezer again. He then went back to his sister's house in Westport and returned the following day to further get rid of the body. He brought the pieces to the bank of Lake Azor, where he put them through the wood chipper to be hidden in the river forever. But what he didn't realize is that the wood chipper didn't throw the pieces all the way into the river, and many of them landed just on the banks in perfect view to be found by the investigators. Hella's mother later spoke up about the case and how she had been completely shocked about the whole thing and hadn't expected it to be Richard. The children, so far as I know, went to live with Richard's sister. I'm not sure how long they lived with her, though. Um, but at the time when all of this was going down, they were being taken care of by her. Warner Brothers approached Richard to try and gain rights to the story. They said that all the proceeds would go to the children, but I don't think anything came of it. I haven't heard of any movies directly about this case. Mm -hmm. um, and Richard has always maintained his innocence and said that he did not commit the crime. So here's a couple more interesting facts about this case that I found. Um, the case inspired the 1989 film titled Woodchipper Massacre. I've never actually seen that movie. Um, let me know if you've seen it. It is also said to have inspired the 1996 Academy Award winning film Fargo, which, Sean, I know that's your favorite movie, right? Uh, good one. Good movie. Yeah. And obviously, it was the pilot episode for Forensic Files. So I'm... Really happy that you guys listened to this episode. I hope that you guys learned some facts that you didn't know before and that you enjoyed our first episode of Forensic Miles. Please stay up to date with new episodes with my Instagram at Forensic Miles, F-O-R-E-N-S-I-C-M-Y-L-E-S. -E okay, thanks guys, and I can't wait to see you next time. Bye. <laughs>